You're listening to the ProcureTech Podcast, your weekly show for all that's cooking in the digital procurement space. Yes, we've got the hottest startups, thought leadership and conversation from visionary industry experts and definitely no stiff corporate content. I'm your host, James Meads, procurement pro, digital nomad and ProcureTech fanboy. And now here's this week's show. Yes, hello and welcome to another episode of the ProcureTech Podcast, where every time we bring you everything that is fun, innovative and exciting in the digital procurement space. Continuing again today with our series where we're interviewing industry thought leaders and influencers to get their take on the digital procurement marketplace and how it's impacting the role that they play within the industry. And today I'm interviewing a a very smart lady who I met in person at a conference in Croatia back in May. And uh, yeah, we actually shared a couple of glasses of wine together during the conference. And we found out that we we had in the past played in quite a similar space. So uh, my guest today, Lilia Stoyanov, is originally from the procurement shared services space. But as we will dig into in the interview, uh, it's now wears many hats, actually. She's a professor at Ziggurat Business School. She's an independent contributor to Entrepreneur Magazine. And most importantly, she's the CEO of Transformify, which is uh, a vendor management and payroll management system, which fits right into how we manage the evolving tech uh, that's impacting us in the procurement space. So Lydia, very warm welcome to the show. Thanks, James. And lovely meeting you again, even though it's virtually this time. Yes, indeed. Hopefully we will get to rectify that at some point in future. So tell me your story, Lydia. So you started off in the shared services space and you helped to build a shared service center when you were part of Coca-Cola. So walk us through that journey and maybe some of the tech that you used back then uh, and tell us the year that that was, and then sort of your journey since then, and how it came about doing what you're doing now. I have a finance and payments background, and usually my roles, either as a CFO or at Coca-Cola, director of procure to pay, involved structuring shared service centers. I would say in the procurement space, what makes it hard is the fact that, especially if it is an enterprise, you have a variety of subsidiaries. They have different processes that are likely to be using different technologies, or if they use the same system like at Coca-Cola, the majority of the subsidiaries were using SAP. It's different versions of SAP. So all this brings complexity, you can imagine. Yeah, and especially in an enterprise like Coca-Cola, as you said, with lots of legacy systems. So what went into the decision in terms of what P2P system or S2P system that was that was implemented then? Was it driven by IT or, or who was who ultimately had the final say in terms of the platform? I would say it was a very complex decision involving the time to implement it, involving which system the majority of the group companies already were using. And finally, it was the cost that comes in place. The cost could be something tremendous if it is an enterprise setup. Yeah, 
Yeah, when we all know it's not not only the cost of the system, but it's with those type of traditional procure-to-pay suites, you need an army of consultants to implement it as well, usually, don't you? Unless you've got the internal resource and expertise to do it. Tell me about it. Yeah. It's not just the consultants, it's training people how to navigate new systems that are very complex and they shouldn't be. I would say all those big systems like Tulia, Riva, Copa, they could be really more user-friendly. They could be simplified. It's not the time in the past to sell something as an enterprise software. It needed to be very complicated. It needed to look sophisticated. Now the users are demanding the opposite. They want it to be simple to maintain. They want it to be user-friendly. And that's what we're all about at procurementsoftware.site, actually just shining a light on on these best-of-breed solutions that are not necessarily serving enterprise-level companies. Because, you know, you're absolutely right. User, user experience and user adoption is so much more important now than it historically was. And I, think, I mean, it's interesting to get your take on this, but do you think that's just because of, you know, millennials and Gen Z coming into the workforce and that's the driver that, you know, they're just putting their hands up and saying, we're not using this, it's a pile of crap. I would say there are a variety of factors. Absolutely right about Gen Z, but it is also all those users within the companies that got overwhelmed with user manuals. They don't have time to read. Needless procedures. So over time, the companies using such software also craved for something much more simple. It was saving time. It was saving on costs, and eventually everyone was looking for something that's stable, that's trustworthy, but at the same time, it's pleasant to use. So talk me through the decision process that made you leave a very stable job at a big enterprise organization, as you said, director of, uh, of shared services or director of procure to pay and and talk to me a little bit about your journey to becoming an entrepreneur, because what you're doing now fits in really nicely to this space and also fits in nicely to the philosophy of you know simplicity and innovation and best of breed and thinking outside of the box. I wouldn't say it was a surprise to anybody. <laughs> Coca-Cola and big enterprises were at the end of my corporate career. Before that, Skrill is a payment services company, one of the biggest payment providers in the world listed on New York Stock Exchange. But when I started with the company, it was much, much earlier. It was at 186 million valuation, and I remember the number because the moment I exited, it was already acquired at 1 billion. And when you have seen this, when you have seen how companies have been built, and before that I have been with other companies that were somewhere in the middle of their journey, you want to do it yourself. It's rather learning how enterprises function. It's rather learning what their problems are before you start a business of your own because you need to understand it. Otherwise, you cannot bring a product to the market that everyone else needs and is ready to buy. So it was really then the school or the, the, the learning process then that you wanted to get in enterprise before you, before you went your own way. Absolutely. And I would recommend it to 
many entrepreneurs to be if you're considering such a journey. First, learn how others do it. Learn from a company that's already successful. What's the hierarchy? How do you manage teams? How do you respond to change? How do you respond to fast-paced growth? And after that, you'll be ready to do it yourself. So one of the problems that pretty much every procurement team faces, and I'm I'm sure that Skrill and Coca-Cola had this same problem, is well, A, finding talent in the right places at the right cost, but also you know managing one-time vendors or occasional vendors and dealing with a lot of the bureaucracy and human error that goes into you know having to onboard and then check and pay invoices and, and maintain that, that vendor master data within the system. So what you're doing now at Transformify, it tackles both of those, doesn't it? So talk to me a little bit about how your experience in corporate and some of the inefficiencies that you saw drove you to create that as a solution. I'll say if we start on the vendor management side, managing irregular vendors, one of vendors using traditional approach, it's very time consuming and also costly. It may take a long time to have a vendor in your vendor master data. Then it takes a long time to change the invoice details, payment details, etc. And the best way is to have all those vendors do it themselves. Simply shift the responsibility to them. They have a portal. They want a different bank account. Okay, it is someone on their end who is authorized, has an access. If that representative has changed the bank account, that's it. From that moment on, that's the bank account that's going to be used. And having that autonomy is good for all sides. That's one And after that, consolidating all those payments, making sure that you can have company as a service. That's how we call it. We simply aggregate all payments to thousands of vendors and issue one invoice to our corporate or mid-sized company customers. Instead, collecting invoices from thousands of vendors, you get one invoice and someone else is automating the entire process. No need to reconcile payments to invoices, no need to check if those invoices are tax compliant, nothing. It's a simple, very smooth process, and that's why our customers love it. So, you know, rather than something like a tail spend automation system, what what you have is essentially an integrator platform that enables companies to to replace X number of vendors with just one if they're what we would call nuisance vendors or or occasional vendors. Exactly, exactly. And it is a big relief to the finance teams, payments teams, procurement teams, everyone involved. Yeah. And, and do you find that then are most, are most of the people that are taking up that offer, is it, is it procurement teams that are approaching you or is it, or, or, or is it more sort of, is it more HR or, or finance teams that tend to be leading that? I'm curious because it, when I worked in procurement, that was a massive problem. Not, not so much in terms of managing people and services spend, but, you know, managing things like spare parts for, you know, maintenance and repair because, it was impossible to buy them all from one distributor. We tried and we did consolidate a lot, but it was impossible to get to the ideal state. And you know, with 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 what with what you're doing, that that is, 
you know, as long as you can prove the administrative saving in hard numbers to a finance person, it's the perfect solution. It's usually the finance people that approach us. It's their payments teams that struggle with transferring all these payments, making sure there are no duplicate payments, there are no late payments, you name that. And on top of that, it is also tax liability that is with them. It's the CFO that oversees all those functions. It's payments, it's tax teams. It is also reconciliation team. All of them report into the CFO typically or the finance director. And it's absolutely not surprising that they're the people who are screaming, we need something. We need something to streamline all this. Hiring more people doesn't sort it out. It's simply, okay, you have more people, but it's the same process. So usually it's finance people that approach us even not so much HR. At the beginning, we believed it will be HR when it comes to contingent workforce, independent contractors. But again, quite often, these are chief operation officers. These are chief financial officers that reach out to us. Quite often, it could be procurement teams because they also need to find a way to consolidate it all. But the majority, the majority are finance people. That's interesting. I would have expected it to be procurement because as a function, we are notoriously lean in terms of resource and managing tail spend and nuisance vendors was, you know, something that took up most of my sort of non-value added time when back in my corporate days. That's, that's interesting. Hey, so just a quick interlude to let you know about procurementsoftware.site. This is a new website that I recently launched to give you, the listener, a free-to-access intuitive guide to digital procurement technology. You can filter on a multitude of different criteria and pick out a short list of procurement software solutions that are relevant to your business and your needs in less time than it takes to boil an egg. No corporate subscriptions, no complex jargon, and definitely no pay-to-play model. We are a completely transparent, open book, and we really want to get your feedback on what we can really do to make this user experience better and constantly improve so as we're providing value to you. Check out procurementsoftware.site. And now let's get right back to this week's podcast. I want to move on to talk a little bit more though about the, the people management side of your business, because this kind of relates really nicely back to the evolution of technology and making procurement tech more user-friendly. Like you said, you know, the new generation are demanding that procurement tech, especially in procure to pay or source to pay, where a lot of stakeholders are having to touch that technology to, to requisition or approve invoices or, uh, or accept goods and services. If that technology is mobile first and it's more user-friendly and procurement as a function can then allow stakeholders to self-serve a lot more in terms of their day-to-day procurement activity, that in turn then essentially allows procurement, at least in theory, in most organizations to work remotely. Because if 
if you're not having to be on site to serve your stakeholders with day-to-day operational problems and you can more move to a more hybrid or even fully remote model in, in sort of more service or software businesses with procurement teams, that enables then for you to have, and you know, this has been popular in the tech industry for many, many years, but it enables you to have a much more geographically diversified workforce. And on the one hand, as an employer, you can take advantage of lower salaries, lower taxes, lower social contributions if you're having workers in in, in best cost country markets. But in all, it also enables you to tap into a wider talent pool if you're struggling to fill positions in in certain locations. So I think we're aware holistically of the advantages that it can bring. You know, I think the biggest challenge in procurement is getting practitioners to think outside the box, to be a bit more visionary rather than technocratic. But talk to me a little bit about the practical side of how it works. If I'm, let's just say, a head of procurement sat in the UK or, or in Germany, and and I want to hire a procurement manager or, or even or, or even an accounts payable person in South Africa. You know, let's take a non-EU country just to add a bit of complexity. How would you do that? First, to your question regarding technology, I'll say the future is in cloud-based solutions, definitely. Although there are some more traditional companies that prefer to host their software on-premise, it is a diminishing number of such companies. The reason is simple. It's not only remote working. It's rather simplicity. Let's say you're on a business trip and you want to quickly check something before you start negotiations. You need access. And you need access from a completely different location So you already see the shift. Then it's a shift to responsive design. There are fewer companies that want to support an app and also to support a desktop. Usually it's also confusing to the users because the app is somewhat limited. You don't want to miss some functionalities. You prefer to have it all. And for that reason, that's another shift we see recently. Regarding hiring people across borders, now COVID taught a lesson to all companies, even those of them that were not open to hybrid work or to remote work at all. Now, many, many companies are hiring the right person regardless of their location. And having someone in South Africa is absolutely normal. You may have people on various continents, in various time zones, could be the budget, could be shortage of talent, could be because you really needed someone who, let's say, previously worked for the competition and could bring knowledge. There are a variety of reasons why you may hire overseas, but companies do it all the time and that's the future. I don't believe there is any way back. And the difference between what you do and what and what a lot of the other platforms do in this space is that you're more of a payroll solution. So you're not, you're not a contingent workforce management system per se. You're more around dealing with how to do the compliance side of things like tax and social security for, for any permanent employees that a company wants to hire outside of their jurisdiction or where they have a presence. 
These are two different services and we support them both. Ah, One is payroll on demand if these are independent contractors and they're not employees per se, they're not on payroll. That's why we call it payroll on demand. That's one side. And in this case, what differentiates Transformify is again the company as a service model. We act as an authorized reseller. We buy the services provided by all those independent contractors, check their compliance documents, whatever else is needed, and then we resell those services to the end customer. Again, the end customer receives just one invoice, transfers one payment. How do we manage all the rest is something completely shifted to us. So that's the difference on payroll on demand. But when we talk about employer of record, that's the other service. When you want to hire someone as a permanent employee, full-time employee, but that person is actually living in Asia, living in Africa, elsewhere. In this case, because this person needs to be put on payroll needs to have all the same benefits like any other tax resident of that particular country. We have a vast network of local partners across the globe, making sure that this employee is paying taxes in that particular country, receives the very same benefits like everyone else at the same level. Everyone is at par, doesn't matter where in the world they are. But these are two different services. Yeah, but they're both very, very relevant in terms of procurement, managing contingent workforce as a category of spend, but also in terms of talent acquisition or talent retention may want to. And we're starting to see it, although, you know, procurement is a super conservative industry compared to tech or marketing, but we are starting to see companies hiring in other jurisdictions and taking that, you know, bold leap to do it. And, I think part of the problem is that, you know, a lot of HR teams don't really understand the options available to them and just, and just put up the barrier and say, no, we're not taking the risk because we don't understand it. I think that's what I really like is that through doing this type of interview, it's educating companies to, to the options that are out there because so much content I see on LinkedIn from procurement is, is all about so many open positions and lack of talent. And, there's not. There's plenty of talent out there. It just means, well, A, you might need to pay a bit more, but B, you just need to think outside the box and B, you know, don't be so restrictive to what I would call the tyranny of place. Just because your office or your headquarters or your team is in one jurisdiction doesn't mean all of your employees need to be. True. And now add something very interesting to that. It's talent acquisition teams that more or less need to become marketers as well. They need to be able to sell the role. It's not just copy-pasting the description from somewhere. You need to make it really relevant. You need to make it appealing if you want the best talent to apply for that. And same is applicable to procurement. If you want the best procurement talent, make it sexy, make it appealing, add the right keywords there. Tell them how exciting it is to implement Cooper at your company if that's what you're doing, but make it exciting. Just saying we're implementing Cooper, it doesn't sell. (laughs) It doesn't sell. And you're selling the very same way you're selling a product. 
You're selling a role within your company and people need to buy. You took my tagline, Lilia, let's make procurement sexy. I want to get some t-shirts made up with that on because you're absolutely right. And we do need to, (laughs) yeah. Job descriptions, when I look through them, I just think this sounds so boring. (laughs) You absolutely feel free to use it as the tagline for the podcast. I'm sure that it will attract lots of attention there. So final question, Lydia, because I know you have a crazy schedule with everything that you're involved in. If anyone would like to learn more about what you're doing, uh, where is the best place that people can contact you or get in touch? I would say it's Instagram and LinkedIn. I'm very active on both platforms. Okay. I'm definitely not on Instagram because I'm over 40 and I don't have abs. And you didn't, definitely don't want to see me in a bikini. But uh, I will link to both of those in the show notes. And uh, yeah, Lilia, thank you very much for coming on the show and being such a good sport. And uh, yeah, you're one of the smartest people I've met this year. So it's always great to, to spar with you on a podcast. So thank you for joining me. That was super kind and many thanks for having me. So that was Lilia from Transformify. If you want to understand a little bit more about how you can take advantage of both using permanent employees in other jurisdictions or also uh, freelancer management through a platform like Transformify, then you know where to go and we'll leave those links in the show notes. Thank you very much again for listening to the podcast. We know there are others out there in this space that are actually pretty good. So thank you for inserting us into your earballs today. And until next time, take care wherever you are and bye for now. <music>